This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras on 680-CJOB. Welcome to Jets at Noon. I'm Tyson Rewicki filling in for Cam Poitras alongside with Jim Toth. Jim, how are we doing today? I'm doing well, Tyson. How are you? One more, no more for you? Are you back One, next week? I'm back next week for Monday. Monday only. But mm-hmm. Ross, Ross Levitan is going to be filling in tomorrow. Oh, no. <laughs> Ross the bot. No, I'm just kidding. It's going to be send, Sends at Noon. Sends at Noon. Sends at yeah. Noon sends at Noon and um, where to register for weddings <laughs> with Ross Levitan. I look forward to that. How are you? You're doing a great job. Are you having fun? No, I'm having How's a- the morning run treating you? It's been it's been pretty good actually, but today was probably the hardest day waking up, and I and I actually had a solid sleep last night, and I just I hit a wall, couldn't couldn't get up. I don't want to get too personal, but you sleep by yourself. Yes, because we're doing the whole sleep divorce talk today on six eighty CJOB comfortably. comfortably. Starfish. <laughs> I don't know what they're talking about all day on CJOB today about the sleep divorce. I sleep great every night. Tyson Rowicki. I was thinking, what what do you think Cam's up to right now? Uh, hopefully sleeping. Yeah, yeah, definitely sleeping. I don't know. Like, I don't, I think he's at a Star Trek convention mm. or Disney World or land. I, I never know which one. He goes to the one in Florida. And man, when I, if I say the wrong one, like if I say Disneyland, it's Disney World. Watch out. He won't talk to you for it's, an hour. It's pure chaos. Know it's... your Disney. <laughs> so, or We've... maybe fishing. I think he said my son about fishing. Oh, a master angler, Cam Poitras. <laughs> Something, yeah, I guess. <laughs> We've got a jam-packed show today. We're going to talk some long-term injury reserve that's completely broken. They, there needs to be a fix with that in the NHL. The bench is cleared in the Astros-Rangers game yesterday. Well, oh. I know you've got, I know you're fired up about that, so we'll leave, we'll leave plenty of time in the last segment for I'll that. S- we'll tease it like this. Nobody is tougher. There's not any person on the planet more tough than a baseball player when he's being held back. Yeah, well, well said. And we'll stick with baseball after this segment. Is Joey Votto going to become a wrestler after he's done playing? He, he's got to be in the media somewhere. He cut, he cut a mean promo. We'll, we'll play that for you after this segment. But first up, we've talked the Jets' defense over the past couple days and how there's a bit of a log jam. It's a little bit crowded with some one-way contracts. Uh, Billy Hanel is on, still on a two-way, so he can go through waivers without having without the opportunity to get claimed by someone. But you have first-round picks in Hanel and Stanley struggling to get playing time. And now these guys haven't instilled the most confidence in management. I'll, I will admit that. But I'm also not entirely convinced that, they're, that they've been given proper opportunities to showcase their skills. And I think that we do have a bit of a problem where there's guys like Nate Schmidt and Neil Pionk in the lineup that are potentially blocking spots. And I get that there's a bit of a problem where you're not going to get completely full value for those guys. But I think we're at the point where if you're going to be a draft and develop developing team, right? You got to draft, you develop jets have done both those things very well, but when it comes to the opportunity to give those guys playing time, it seems like they haven't been able to get any. And Declan Chisholm's another guy who now, if he gets placed on waivers, he has the opportunity to get claimed. And I think that a lot of well-run teams, not just in the NHL, but in sports in general, they know when to cut bait with players or assets before their value starts to depreciate. And I think right now we have four defensemen on the Jets, Neil Pionk, Nate Schmidt, Dilly Hainala, and Logan Stanley, who are all depreciating assets right now, right? Like, if you're going to trade Villy to a team and 
what what is that team going to give up, right? Like they are going to say, hey, he's your first round pick from four years ago and you guys haven't really given him a chance yet to play. So why should we give him a chance, right? Like why should we give up value to take this guy on? And so I'm just wondering your thoughts on on how the defense is going to shake out. I do think there's value that while you're not going to get value, full, full value from a Nate Schmidt or Neil Pionk trade, I think there's value in giving some of the younger guys opportunities. Yeah, look, I, I mean, I'm not opposed to, I, I, I don't buy in heavily, um, and I get called a homer or whatever about this. I don't buy in heavily to the idea that the Jets don't want to give opportunity. I was here when Nick Ehlers played. I was here when Patrick Laine played. And for everybody who's going to argue with me right now, because this is what I hear when I bring up Patrick Laine in his first year played, said, well, it doesn't take a genius to play the second overall pick who has a uh, an unbelievable shot. Have you seen his all-round game the first two to three years? Yes, it does. They let Patrick Laine develop in the National Hockey League because he had an elite skill that rare other players can do with that shot. But he couldn't play defense. He couldn't win a battle along the wall. He was not NHL ready, and they played him. My favorite quote from Nick Ehlers over the years was year two, I think, of Paul Maurice, and he had two goals in a third and helped get a win. And his post-game comments were, I got to thank Paul Maurice for this. I was awful the first two periods. I wasn't good defensively, and he kept running me out there. So I don't buy into this. Ville Heinola is more than ready and they're ruining him by putting him in. If he was more than ready and better than any six defensemen playing, he would be playing. Now, people will argue Logan Stanley. Okay, but do you think Ville Heinola can do what Logan Stanley does? Is he going to move people in front of the net? Is he going to be physical? And is he going to drop the gloves as a 5-6 defenseman? No. So what does Ville Heinola do? He plays in the top four. He is an offensive defenseman. Are you playing him ahead of Josh Morrissey, Dylan DeMello, Neil Pionk, and Dylan Sandberg, or Brendan Dillon? Are you playing Vili Hinola ahead of them? I I would argue that maybe you should. Or maybe and maybe okay, who? Maybe, like, and, let's and maybe, get into it. And maybe that Neil Pionk moves down a spot and then you let him kind of run with the opportunity. And even just going back to twenty to twenty nineteen, twenty twenty season. There was guys that were playing on the Jets defense like Anthony Boteto, Dmitry Kulikov, T- Tucker Pullman, Lucas right. Spiza. And for me, that's where it's sort of. And in 2019, 2020, he had five points. Billy Hanel had five points in eight games. Yes. And so you see that the, the production's there. But yet these guys who really have no long term, the Jets don't really have a long term plan for those guys. They're getting substantially more playing time. Like Anthony Boteto was playing over 40, 45 games that season. And I. To me, that's kind of crazy. It's- right, but what are you asking Anthony Boteto to do? And and whether he's doing it well or not, are you going to ask Ville Hainola to do that? Is he coming into the lineup to do that role? To me, it's a lot like you're not going to call up Cole Perfetti from the Moose to play on the fourth line and grind. So right. to me, it's a lot like, and I, look, I like Ville Hainola, but since the, the the rookie season where he had five points in, or five points in eight games, he then in 2021 had five games with nothing, no points. He then had 12 games with five assists. That looked like that was the year that I'm like, okay, like here we go, right? And then I believe it was the year before last year they wanted to trade, and he feels like he's not getting. So I went to two Moose games, and he was dynamic offensively and horrific defensively, and one of those games was right after he was sent back down, and he looked like he wanted to be anywhere else but on the Moose. Right. 
So that is not going to get you a call up. What is going to get you a call up is you go be dynamic offensively, work your tail off defensively, be mad that you got sent back down and, and work to get better. But today's athlete, whatever. So last year he played 10 games. He had one assist and he was minus five. That is why he's not in the lineup in 10 games, which is now 35 total. He was a minus five and had one assist. That does not scream to me, play him ahead of Neil Pionk. And Neil Pionk had a bad year last year. Don't get me wrong. But so I'm just along the line of like, again, I think he's part of the future. I think the fact that he hasn't sort of taken the world by storm and gotten into the lineup um, bolds well for the contract wise. And that's the other part of it, right? The other part of it is, is he getting worse? I don't think so. But say if he was, then that's an argument. I don't think he's getting worse. Is he getting better? I don't know. I haven't watched him play a lot. But the control of this asset right now, even though he wants a trade, so let's say he makes the team this year. And let's say they move Logan Stanley or something like that. I mean, they have an enormous amount of control on a guy that has no resume. Like, that's why Logan Stanley wants a trade too, right? Because his agent's sitting there going, you do a contract and you have no resume. So you need to get out of there at the deadline, go to a team and play the last 25 games of the year so I can ask for more money for you. So that's how I view it. Um, I'm not always right by any means, and you bring up some valid points, but you think he should be playing or or they're wasting these assets. I just think of, look, do they need eight or nine? Do you ever want to lose a Johnny Kovacevic? No, I think that was a, a that's too bad. I thought I think they, from what I know, they wanted to keep him, but they ran out of room to keep people. Um, but again, is Johnny Kovacevic playing ahead of any of the six you have? Now, what we're going to get into is what I think you bring up a valid point of is is it time to move on from some of those vets? Like, is this the year that even if it costs you, do you move Nate Schmidt out and have one of these guys come into the lineup? And and that I'm I'm listening for. Like that I'm I'm on board with now. Yeah. And and even I, I do I understand that some guys play different roles than other guys, but you look at a team like Carolina too and their defense, and they don't really have a lot of guys who are they have guys who can clear the front of the net, but it's not that hulking kind of physically imposing defender they don't they don't really have that and that's and Carolina arguably arguably has the best decor in the NHL right now I think that you need to weigh some of the players strengths and I think that this past season showed that the Jets could use another puck mover on the back end I think they really struggled at times to get the puck out of their own end I I think you're right I I think it has to be a mix like I don't right I mean I get why you want a Logan Stanley in the lineup a lot of people don't a lot of people think you can go with six 5'10 to 6 feet puck moving defenseman. I don't. The same way I don't think you can go with 6, 6'4, six, 6'5, six, 230 pound defenseman. Totally. I think you have to have a mix. And I understand why they have this mix. Um, should he play more? Like, I'm, I'm not saying he shouldn't play more and I'm not saying he should play less, but it's a matter of 10 to 20 games to me. It's not like he should have been in the lineup every single night. I, I think what's lost in this conversation about the defense all the time, especially with Heinola is so Vili Hainola um, has another year. This upcoming year, he could be in the show at 863000 and then need a contract with one full season under on his resume. I mean, you think in the next contract, if it's a two- to three-year bridge, he's not going to play his tail off because he needs to put up some... Like, I think the asset management of this in a cap world is is pretty good. Now, if he's ready, I would be... And I want to emphasize, I'd be the first one going, they got to play him. But I have not seen anything from him in the NHL or two games with the Moose last year that tells me that he's better than any of the six they were rolling out. 
Yeah, and I will agree. I'm I'm not the biggest fan of Vili Hainala either. I don't like. I'm not totally sold on him. But at the same time, I see that you know when you're get, only getting five or six games, there's the pace of plays a little bit is like a split second quicker in the yeah. NHL to the AHL. But that split second's a big difference, and I think having letting a guy get used to that split second difference and really kind of just get it yeah just getting used to it it's a big big part of it and, and I, here's what i'll never buy into and it was with sammy niku too this organization is never going to promote you if you don't have a good attitude and work your tail off yeah and i'm not saying Vili doesn't i i don't know enough about him but i watched sammy niku enough and was at enough practices where he was the last guy on the ice the first guy off it and it, nothing of his work ethic told me that he's dying to make the next step yeah well we still have a month to go until training camp starts We'll figure out what happens then. You just got a starting position here. We're going to take a break right now. We'll talk long-term Welcome injury reserve and how to fix it after the 1230 news. Weather and the Boston Pizza Sports Desk coming right up. For Jim Toth, I'm Tyson Rowicki, and you're listening to Jets at Noon on 680 CJOB. Jets at Noon on 680 CJOB. Welcome back to Jets at Noon. Tyson Rowicki in for Cam Poitras along with Jim Toth. But before we get to our long-term injury reserve talk, Jim... Going on right now, it's the best week in television history. Do you, know, do you know what week it is today? This week is it Shark Week? Oh yeah, baby! See if I know it, a wiki, I know one thing, and it's Discovery Channel. Oh, the the raw power! <laughs> it's unbelievable. Uh, I gotta tune that in then because that's and every time I watch Shark Week, I'm like, I gotta watch Discovery more. I know, it's, but it's just not on the like the, like I watch global news i watch sports and i think a and e and hbo and <laughs> so did. then i never go i'm like shark week comes on i go to discovery and i'm like a national geographic's the other one i go i have this channel i gotta watch it more and i just never think of it a week later i know it's because you gotta go down a couple pages yeah, right it's, yeah and i was i was actually watching it earlier this week and i i always watch tv before i go to bed and i fall asleep and i wake up just to the screaming like ah <laughs> just freaking out it was just this it was replaying shark documentaries after that it was like now nah, i'm never watching a shark week i've never watching shark week before bed again uh i was trying to find in the break the david letterman story but david letterman was on the netflix he had a show there where he'd bring out interviews after he retired from the letterman show and he brought jerry seinfeld out and uh so david letterman told this story of joey Votto where he said we'd be sitting there um like in the the good seats or whatever and uh, I, fr- I think Jerry had the exact same story, but he's like, Joey Votto's in the on-deck circle, and it's like the eighth inning, probably his last at bat. And so he's, whatever, they're playing the game and stuff, and uh, this is in New York. And he said, uh, he comes off the on-deck circle, and he's like, hi, David. <laughs> and he goes, I look around, and I'm like, what? So, and you have to YouTube this, because I could probably get some of this wrong. It's been a couple of years. I tried to find it, but, and he's like, Hi, Joey. And he's like, hey, I just wanted to thank you for coming to the game tonight. We appreciate your support. It's like, okay. (laughs) And then blah, blah, blah. So then Jerry goes, I was at the Dodger game. And he said, I was sitting in the, and he goes, pretty close box seats or whatever. And Jerry makes a snipe of, yeah, I'm Jerry Seinfeld. (laughs) But he's like like this. And and same thing, like on deck circle about the seventh inning, probably his last at bat. Comes over and he goes, hi, Jerry. I'm like, hi, hi, Joe, or Mr. Votto. He goes, it's Joey. And he's like, hi. He goes, you enjoying the game? And he's like, yeah. He goes, it's going to get chilly. You better put your jacket on. And he's like, okay. And then it, then he had to go up to bat, and he's like, okay, Jerry, I just wanted to thank you for coming to the game. We appreciate it. 
So it just like Joey's a beauty, right? Like, and everybody knows this, but these stories are legendary of how he like will. And and the other part is, is when there's like, he always is great to kids too, but when he's being heckled and he gives it right back, I'm all for that. Oh yeah. Like there's a larger man giving it to him, telling him how much he sucked and stuff. And he turned around and he said, well, at least I'm skinny or something like that. And he got because of the, the woke crowd and all that. And correctly. So you should make fun of people's weight. I'm not saying that, but if somebody's going to give it, then you're open market. Oh, and, yeah. And Joey is just like... If he played for the Yankees or Dodgers, he'd be a superstar. Yes. He would be... And he also has done immense things for mental health. He's one of the first athletes to come out and say he had a problem with depression. He's one of the first athletes that continues to advocate for... I mean, the first. Many do now. But he's one of the first superstars that brought it to light. And I'll never forget the Sports Illustrated when I was reading about it. And and he said in that article when he first came out and said, I have depression. He said, I was in Wrigley Field. We just won the game. I'd hit a home run or something. I did an interview and everybody left. And I was sitting on the bench in Wrigley Field wondering why I was so sad and unhappy. And he goes, that's when I realized I had a problem. I had to do something about it. And so he's just... He's just an all-around great guy. Yeah, Joey Votto. We're all big fans of Joey Votto here at CJOB. But we're going to we're gonna switch topics here. And the NHL has a serious problem on their hands, Jim. And that's the long-term injured reserve. And I think it's getting to a point where things are just getting ridiculous now. Like, just recently, Matt Murray was placed on long-term injured reserve. And it was not two days ago we were hearing talk about him getting bought out. So how, do, how can you go from being able to buy out a player who's... Injured. I, I believe that's against the CBA. You can't yeah. buy out a player who's got a chronic in- injury. And even going back, there's a 2021 season with Nikita Kucherov, whose surgery conveniently lined up with just with the start of the playoffs. And two years ago, too, Vegas was like 18 million dollars over the cap come playoff time. Like there was, they had Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, Alec Martinez. All those guys were on long-term injury reserve at one point. And I do you remember the the Ryan Kessler trade, the Vegas one? Yes. For those that don't know, Ryan Kessler had gotten traded to Vegas after he had already spent, I believe, two seasons on long-term injured reserve. And it was for Evgeny Dadanov and a second-round pick. And the Knights would be getting Kessler so that they could put Kessler on long-term injured reserve yeah. so that his cap wouldn't count against the cap and they would have a little bit more cap room. The NHL declined the trade at first. And... About 15 minutes later, it would happen right at the deadline. But 15 minutes later, after Vegas had said that the trade had been declined and they're currently working through the complications, the NHL just allowed it. Yeah. And they didn't change anything. So I'm going to ask you, how, how do you think you fix this? Do you get rid of it? Is there a way that maybe a, the capsule counts in the playoffs? Like, how do you go about this? Well, from what I understand, like they do do some due diligence with this. And, and I think it was like with Mark Stone, to be honest with you, who was just with the Stanley Cup at his rink here in Charleswood and, and uh, out of Breezy Bend and, and good on him for taking the Stanley Cup to the Children's Hospital yesterday. But um, for, so it used to be like, oh, he's on LTIR, blah, blah, blah. Now it's like he's on LTIR, and I think the the team doctor has to provide documents that show why and how and what the diagnosis is, and then I think a league doctor has to examine them and understand before they can go on LTIR or something like this. So I, I don't know. Like I, I think we're both in agreement that it has to be fixed. Yes. I just don't know how you do that. Like, um, do I think Mark Stone's back surgery needed to keep him out for three months? Yes, I do. Do I think Mark Stone could have played a week or two before the end of the regular season? Yes, I do. 
I, I don't think that from the day the regular season ended to the day game one versus the Jets that he couldn't have played game 81 or 82 of the regular season. And that's where the problem is, right? Because if he goes into game 81 or 82, then he counts against the cap and you're over. Yeah. So, and the same with Nikita Kucherov, the same with, uh, as we go through this, I'm not picking on Mark Stone. I'm picking on the situation. I just, I don't know. To me, it's about, I'm glad that there's, there's doctors having to file documents. I'm glad there's a league doctor that has to agree with the team's assessment. I think that's a good staple to make sure this is used in the proper way. But the other way has to be, um, if you can play, like we all hear this all the time, it's three months and somebody comes back in two and a half unless it's on LTIR. And that's the thing that I, I don't know how, and I don't have any suggestions. I just, that you've got to, you've got to clear that up. I, I think they need to put in a deadline past the trade deadline. And just, that would be interesting. Once you get, once you get, make it all season, whether it's regular season or playoffs. Yeah. And then once you get to this point, if you're, you can still be on long-term injury reserve. The, no one's saying that there's some guys who, you're not going to be ready to go two weeks out from the season, but you could be a, a week from then. Because the idea of it isn't to hide contracts, and that's what's being done with it predominantly. Right. The totally. Shea Webers, the Datsuks, the, the all that. Like, long-term injured reserve isn't to hide contracts. Yeah. It's, it's not to alleviate the cap. It's to help a player who's been injured and can't play for a while. Right. And so how does it become... That's what I don't like about it, too. I get the whole miss the regular season, come back in the playoffs. I don't like that either. But the thing that makes me furious of it is you sign these people to these contracts and three years later you're making a trade to get cap space. That's not what long-term injured reserve is for. Yeah, no, it's... I I think the deadline there is the opportunity that you have to do because then that way teams can't cheat the system once they... Because you still want to allow teams to make trades at the deadline, yeah. right? And so once you get to this point in the season... You can have a guy on long-term injury reserve. He counts against the cap, though. There are some people that have advocated for for two caps, one in the regular season, one in the playoffs. And the one in the playoffs goes up like maybe five, so you can call up some guys from your AHL team and have them available, which I think you can do anyway in the playoffs. Like yeah. I think that once the regular season's over, it's over. But they, they've talked about having two caps, a playoff cap and a, a regular season cap. Yeah, it's it, it's a problem. I mean, way too many teams are exploiting it. And like you said, it's meant to help players. I remember with the Flyers, with Chris Pronger, when he had his eye injury and his career was over, it was done. But, you know, you still want to get paid your money. And even like the Brian Little, like he was never going to play again. So that's what long-term injured reserve is. It allows a player to keep getting his money till the end of the contract. And even though he's never going to play again, like it honors that. I, I like that. I just don't know, like, why the Jets can trade it to Arizona and it becomes their problem. Yeah. Um, And then... You know, like, so it circumvents, I mean, I don't know what the answer is. The Jets have to keep putting him on LTIR every single year or parameters of how many times you can put a player on it. Like, I I mean, it just, it needs to be fixed. Um, and for the reasons I said, I don't like that. I don't like the idea of it to be used to s- circumvent the cap. Yeah. no, Like Matt Murray, we're going to see this, right? Yeah, exactly. And Toronto, that they kind of get bailed out in that situation. And Ottawa's I, on the hook for 1.5 of that right. unless he retires which he's not going to do because he's going to want to keep getting his money. Yeah, it's no one's saying no to $6.2 million, right? Like that's, and, and if you're injured legitimately, you should still get your contract. Oh, 100%. That's, yeah. that's the whole point, right? Like it's a long-term injury reserve is there so that the players are insured whether or not they suffer a career-ending injury that right. ends their career short. 
I would just like more responsibility for the teams that sign these contracts. And yeah. I think it would help the cap. I honestly do. Like these one-year deals for Bertuzzi and Domi or these four-year deals for Jason Robertson and, and others, I think would actually help the cap. You would see less term. Players would get more money eventually. The Austin Matthews of the world, the Max Domi's of the – they're all going to get contracts next year and probably for more. So they make more money. The teams have less, you know, obligation – and then, I mean, Jonathan Huberto is I, – look, I think he bounces back, and I think he's got another three, four, maybe five really good years left in him. But six, seven, and eight, is there not a long-term injured reserve coming for that contract? Yeah, no kidding. And even Marion Hosa, too. Remember him with the – I don't even know exactly what – the allergies that he had with his equipment. Like it's, And then you have teams like Arizona. that's legitimate, right? But yes. then there's teams acquiring that contract yeah. knowing that he's never going to play for you. That goes against long-term injured reserve <laughs> philosophy in my mind. Arizona had a Hall of Fame – Oh. Starting lineup on their injuries, or they had Chris Pronger, Pavel Datsuk, Marion Hosa. It, it yeah. was insane. We're going to take a break right now. I know Jim, you want to talk about some bench clearing brawls in the MLB. Yeah, I got I got a few things to say. Yeah, so I've been we'll on take, fire. Today. <laughs> we'll take a break. I'm burning. We got some commercials and weather coming up, and uh, yeah, bench clearing brawls. And I'm doing air quotes when I say brawls because there's not a lot of brawling going on at these. I'm Tyson Rowicki, along with Jim Toth. Jets at noon will be right back on 680 CJOB. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. Welcome back to Jets at noon. I'm Tyson Rowicki, along with Jim Toth. And Jim, uh, you brought this attention to me earlier today. Yesterday, the Houston cheater, I mean Astros. How dare you? (laughs) The Astros played the Texas Rangers and Adolish Garcia hit a grand slam and Martin Maldonado had some choice words for him, and uh, the bench is empty. And so, Jim, uh, what do you think about uh, this kerfuffle that happened yesterday? Look, I don't mind benches clearing brawls, all this. Here's my problem. They never fight. Like, so they chit-chat, they get in each other's faces, then all these crowds come around, and nothing ever happens. And like I said at the start, there's nobody tougher in the world than a baseball player being held back. A baseball player not being held back is... Not tough. So, but my problem with these, is, so that happens yesterday. He's rounding the bases. Maldonado has some words for the guys coming in. This is a huge rivalry, right? Texas is a game ahead of them. So now they're two games ahead in the standings and everybody hates the Astros and everybody knows they're defending World Series champs and once again, blah, blah, blah. But my problem with this is, is so there's literally 20 players standing at home plate, chirping, pushing, shoving, and then the bullpens open up. That's my favorite part is when and the bullpen's flooded. There's flood nine out. more guys from each team running <laughs> 400 feet. What are you doing? Because you're not going to do anything. Why are you bothering? Nothing's <laughs> going to happen. If I was a bullpen pitcher or out there in the, the what do you call it? The bullpen. Yeah. If I'm out there, I'm literally telling my own teammates, uh, throw one and I'll come. <laughs> Throw a haymaker, and I'll be there for you. And I will sprint the 400 yards. But I'm not running all the way in to just stand there and listen to guys chirp each other. It's crazy. And you can tell that the players all know that no one, that no no one's going to do anything. And, it, and now it just seems like the bullpens start coming out, and they're all like kind of talking to each other, just like... Well, they what? all run all the way in, stand around, and then walk back. <laughs> and nothing happened. Now, it's- I'm not encouraging violence. And I'm not encouraging a fight. If the benches want to clear, the bench is clear. 
But again, if I'm a bullpen pitcher, I better see one being thrown before I come. And then I'll be there for you. I'll be there in a heartbeat. But if you're just going to stand there and chirp and push and shove, I'm not running 400 yards. Well, and when when was the last time that there was actually... It just looks thrown, ridiculous, right? Like it, yeah. it goes out like maybe Roofnet at Odor when it when he rocked Whoa. Batista. That was wow. a crazy. That. My friend Roger in Kansas City has that as a screensaver. He <laughs> hated Batista, and he's like that. And he says, "I've never seen a guy." He's a lifelong. He's in his sixties. Lifelong baseball fan, major league, and he said, "I've never seen a guy in a baseball game get rocked like like Odor did to Batista." There, that, that was crazy. I remember that was watching a clean shot. I remember watching that game live and just thinking, like, "Oh, it's getting a little testy," and then all of a sudden just. Boom! Right across, like, and he cracked him. I and give Bautista credit. He yeah, he, he ate that. He ate that pretty well. That's what's lost in that. But I, again, I'm not encouraging this or anything. But it's just such a colossal waste of time. It literally is, especially when the bullpens come out. So this happens. There's chirping, one or two shoves. Now there have been some punches thrown in these over the years, and there's been. I think there was one the other day, yesterday or the day before, was the one where Arod got plunked by the Red Sox. And then Kirk Chilling came in, and I think Pedro threw Don Zimmer to the ground. And I was like, oh, no, what are you doing? I was watching that game live, and I remember going, oh, no, Donnie, he's 100. What are you doing to him? Um, But I'm just saying, like, so this happens last night, pushing, shoving, chirping. And I'm like, okay, because I'm an astrocyte. I'm like, okay, just let it go because it's 13 to 3 now. You're getting crushed. But whatever. If you want to go, go. But then go. Yeah. They never go. And then the bullpens. And I'm just like, why are you bothering? This thing has stopped being an incident five minutes ago. And yet here you come. And, and I even get it. Like sometimes when a guy gets plunked, it's that's that's a re- retaliation. Yes. Right. But like when the guy's just rounding the bases and you guys are giving you guys are chirping back and forth. Do you really need all 50 players combined from both teams to come out and managers and have a huge just mass on the field? Baseball players, let me know. Right now, if you've been in the bullpen, what the conversation is. Is it we better go? Because I guarantee you one of the nine of you goes, why? I'm not going. <laughs> I, I I can't remember the pitcher's name, but I remember that there was a bench bench clearing brawl. Or not a brawl, but the bench is cleared. And he just sat in the sat in the bullpen. He didn't yeah. he didn't come out. He's like, I'm not going, I'm not going out there. And I think I you're right. I kind of remember that now. And I think he said, Well, if it was a punch, then I'll go. Yeah. But <laughs> nobody punches anybody, nothing ever happens. And I'm not coming all that way. Plus, you just got 12 guys off the bench coming to help you. What is guy 17 going to do? Yeah, exactly. Hey, if if they added in a pitch clock, maybe they put in a brawl (laughs) clock and see. You guys guys got two minutes here. If there's not a punch thrown within two minutes, this thing is over. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And you get an out. (laughs) Well, we're going to wrap up today's show there. Thank you for letting me vent, by the way. Oh, of course. Leave the bullpens alone. Yeah, just... They're out there. They're doing their own thing. They don't. They don't need to get in the kerfuffle. We better get out there. We better go. Yeah, yeah. There's got to be one of them. Go. Why? <laughs> Nothing's gonna happen. Well, thank you all for listening today. Special thanks to the best in the biz, Jeff Fortier. Thank you, Forts. Jeff Brown has the news at one o'clock. Jim is gonna take you all the way to three. Jim will be back tomorrow with Ross Levitan hosting. I'm Tyson Rowicki, and keep it locked right here on 680 CJOB. You'll be back Monday. Oh yeah.